Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And today we're going to be recapping the Spurs win, actually. Not even a a loss that I dare say, you know, I was expecting the Spurs to fully lose this game. We're going to be talking about a much-needed Spurs win on the road against the Memphis Grizzlies with our special guest, the one, the only, Paul Garcia of Project Spurs. So, Paul, are you happy that the Spurs finally broke the losing streak? Yeah, but I think I'm a little bit more happy that they didn't go to overtime. I was really dreading, you know, when uh, when um, Jaron Jackson Jr. got fouled right there at the end and he, and he had a chance to send it to overtime, uh, the Grizzlies down two. I was like, please don't make them both. Please don't make them both. I just didn't want overtime. I mean, it would have just been a really long night if that had happened. Yeah, I was uh, dreading that as well because, you know, I did see that the Grizzlies had an opportunity to shoot the three at the very end there. My heart skipped a beat. I was like, please don't take that wide open three. And LaMarcus came out, and I guess it was Jaron Jackson that he was guarding, and then he just went straight to the rim. And thank God that LaMarcus Aldridge had the hindsight to foul him because if not, this game would have been going to overtime. More than likely, it would have been in favor of the younger legs of the Memphis Grizzlies because the Spurs are a little getting a little old there, Paul. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, the Spurs are, you know, I did not expect that. I thought tonight would have been one of those easy wins for them, you know, just, you know, with, with, with no Mike Conley. Um, you know, I expected the other four losses against Utah, against um, Golden State and all those other teams. You know, those are kind of expected losses, especially without Derek White. But I just thought like a reeling Grizzlies team who just traded one of their best players a week ago and Marcus Saul. I, I just really thought that was an easy 10 to 15 point win for the Spurs. And sure enough, nope, they fell behind early by double digits. They made a little comeback. And then right there again, they they were literally a, a Jaron Jackson three away from losing this game. Yeah, you know, the the thing is that tonight the Spurs really were kind of you know they played with some heart they grinded this game out could have easily gone the other way because once again the Spurs just like we keep seeing (laughs) they have some lapses on the defensive front the defense collapses there's some miscues you know as far as miscommunication going on on the court they let the Grizzlies right back in it again they even given them opportunity to possibly win the game but you got to hand it to the Spurs. They kind of, you know, played a little bit tough at the end and they did what they needed to do to to get this win. And hopefully they can continue to improve upon this because wins are, are something that are in short supply right now, you know, for Spurs fans. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, just you just got to, I mean, the, the way it is with their, these losses is you got to keep checking the standings nightly because, I mean, the Lakers are right there on their tails. They got the, the Kings right there. They have uh, the Clippers as well. Even though the Clippers traded half their team, they're still a very competitive group that's winning ball games. So, so you know, just like like you just mentioned, I mean, just a few losses here and there, and the Spurs right away fall right back down to the 7-8 seed. And the problem is at the end of the night, at the end of the day, when April comes around, you don't want to be that team who's matched up with Golden State. Because if you get matched up with Golden State in round one, that's basically your season. You're, you're going to be out of, of the first round. Yeah, my hope is that the Spurs can at least be the fifth or the fourth seed. You know, you don't want to start the road against the Warriors, the Nuggets, or the Thunder. I think the Spurs would match up better if they can, you know, possibly get a, a fifth or a fourth seed, possibly even, you know, go against the Trailblazers, maybe the Rockets. I think they're still going to have trouble if they somehow match up against the Jazz because I think the the youth and athleticism and the length of the Utah Jazz kind of bothers the Spurs a little bit. But either way, I like their chances if they go up. If they start falling behind, you know, in the 6th, 7th, 8th seed, I think it's going to be a one and done. I hate to say that, but we're seeing what this team is. 
And unfortunately, they're not going to get any better on the defensive end because they didn't make any trades. It shouldn't surprise anybody. The Spurs usually stand pat at the trade deadline. They did that again. So Spurs fans can gripe and moan all, of, all they want about this. But we're not really surprised by that. It's, it's evident that the Spurs need a wing defender. Maybe something that they can visit in the offseason. I know everybody's griping and complaining about the Paul Gasol you know, asking for a, reportedly asking for a trade, you know, and everybody's like, well, did he, didn't he? He came out today, said it wasn't true. You know, and I don't care if it's true or not, but really, I Paul, at this juncture, if he asked for a trade, would Spurs fans really be mad at him? No, they would. I mean, Spurs fans are the ones trying to get rid of him. They've been, they've been asking for him to get traded, you know, for ever since he signed that deal. And, you know, whether or not, you know, like, like you said, Powell came out uh, before this game today against Memphis, and he basically said, you know, I don't know where that rumor came from, that source, whoever it was, you know, tell me who it was. But, I mean, the, the, the writing is there on the wall. I mean, he's basically said that he, he told uh, Tom Osborne of the Express News today that he's not happy with this, obviously, with his with the role he's been given, where he's, he didn't play tonight in this Memphis game. Uh, he's basically the third big getting paid, you know, $16.8 million this year, um, doesn't play over Pirtle. And you're right, Joe, where there, who was that? You know, I had a lot of complaints as well after the trade deadline. It's like, why didn't they make a move? The question is, who was that person out there? You know, I asked a lot of different fans this. You know, who was, who was the, the wing defender that teams are magically just going to give up to the Spurs, uh, you know, unless they give up one of their real assets? And when I say the real assets, that's a really good young role player like Derek White, like DeJounte Murray, like um, – uh, who am I missing here? Oh, Derek White? Fourth. Or one, of, or one of their first-round picks. Uh, and even those aren't looking as great anymore because the Spurs are actually decent this year. They're not going to, you know, they didn't go out and tank. So, you know, I just don't know where that wing defender was in the trade market. And obviously the Spurs have been reportedly looking at the buyout market for a, a wing and a guard. But again, look at the names on the buyout market. Those guys aren't going to get any kind of playing time over over the Spurs' top nine guys. And so, uh, you know, like you said, Joe, just, uh, you know, try to avoid the, in my opinion, it's just more so try to avoid the Warriors. I, I do want to see, a healthy Spurs team against, you know, I could see, I want to see what that looks like against the Nuggets or against the Thunder, or the Blazers, any of those teams. I think that they have a chance. It's just the Warriors. They have to avoid them at all costs as long as possible. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the numbers in today's, you know, win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Rudy Gay, he had a decent game. He scored 15 points. Then we have Davis Bertons, and I'm just going down the line. He had 17 points on the night. LaMarcus Aldridge, he had a team high 22 points. Followed by DeMar DeRozan, who added 12. Bryn Forbes was respectable at 9. And then, all of a sudden, you have the lowly Patty Mills going off for 22 points. Matching LaMarcus Aldridge team high for the night. And, of course, Marco Beninelli was Super Mario again with 11 points. So, it wasn't too bad. You know, you, almost everybody that played tonight scored except for Yaka Portal and Dante you know, Cunningham. But Dante only had 4 minutes of playing time. Yaka Portal's more of a defender, crashes the boards. So you, if you get points out of him, like Coach Pop says, it's always a plus. But it's not that something that we're going to actually look for night after night. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, Patty was the, was the huge one right there just because, you know, he made six of eight three-pointers. I mean, there was times when they were falling behind, when they'd lose that lead, or he'd get them right back into the game with those three-pointers. I mean, Rudy Gay, he just, I mean, just talk about how, how in, in, instrumental he is for this team. 
15 points in a return after missing a game with injury, uh, 12, 12 boards, uh, collects eight assists. And actually, I didn't get to tweet this, but actually eight assists is a, a new season high for Rudy. Uh, his highest this year have been seven prior to tonight. So that's actually a tweet I got to send out <laughs> to record this podcast. Uh, and then, you, like you mentioned, Aldridge is really good, 22 points, uh, battling against those, those bigs Memphis had. Uh, DeRozan, you know, he, I thought that his, his rhythm would come back after, after he took those, those few days off. Um, to try to, to rehab and get better. But, I mean, a 26% shooting night, only 12 points. I mean, there was a lot of shots there at the end he missed. I mean, he plays 41 minutes. It's just he, – he's really been in a funk since the, since the calendar turned to 2019, and, and, you know, that's evident again tonight against the Grizzlies. Yeah, so another thing, you know, I think really what the – I guess the, the magic sauce was for the Spurs tonight, they relied heavily on their three-point shooting. You know, and what I mean by that is they were very productive, again, from beyond the arc. They were 13 from 21 from three, and they shot a little bit, almost at 62%. They were about 61.9% from the night, from beyond the arc, which is very good. You know, they're one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league, even though they don't take a number of them, like, say, the Houston Rockets chunking up 30 or 40, you know, three-pointers a night. But the Spurs are very accurate. So I, I like that they did that, you know, that they're using that as part of their their strategy. Another thing that I noticed is points in the paint. The Spurs, unfortunately, they get out muscled in the paint. The, the Grizzlies had 44 points in the paint tonight. Spurs only had 30. Second chance points favored the Grizzlies tonight. They had 11 second chance points. The Spurs only had six. But where the Spurs got it done tonight, you got to hand it to them. They, they took it to Memphis, and they were very aggressive going towards the rim. Spurs outscored the Memphis Grizzlies on fast break points tonight. The Spurs had 28 compared to the Grizzlies, 16. So overall, you love the effort. You like what you're seeing. Now, the question is, Paul, is it sustainable for the next, for the remainder of the rodeo road trip? I mean, they, they better hope this type of performance isn't sustainable because this really should have been a loss in a lot of ways. I mean, played and giving up 107 to Memphis uh, with, without Conley. And then also, you know, like, like you and I said, if Jaron Jackson nails a three-pointer there at the end, this is a loss for San Antonio, and it's a different story. I really, um, you know, they, they really cannot rely on, I know the, sh the shooting was awesome, the 62% from three, the fast break points too, 28 points. But, I mean, that, that paint defense is a huge is a huge problem right now. Um, and it goes back to just missing Derek White, that dribble penetration. Guards are getting into the paint when they want. Avery Bradley, you saw tonight, just kind of using the pick and roll to get where they want. And then that collapses the Spurs' defense. Uh, Matt Bonner kept bringing this up on the broadcast. It was an excellent job where he kept saying that the weak side defenders for the Spurs, they just weren't rotating and, and meeting people at the rim. And there was a lot of times where Grizzlies players were just getting uncontested layups, uncontested dunks. And that's those are the kind of points that really just that, that's why the Spurs can't couldn't build more than a 12 point lead was that their defense would just continue to let them down. Um, so I, I do think, you know, at the end of the day, I just wrote a piece on Project Spurs uh, this past this past Monday that you really they need their they need Derek on the floor. I mean, it, it, there's just so many stats that prove that, um, you know, the eye, the eye test shows it. But but they, they just need their whole complete nine key guys there. And then it, then that, that, that team starts looking a little bit different and it's a little bit more competitive. And the thing is, they haven't had that team for, uh, you know, since, since they left San Antonio, basically. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things that you, you pointed out and I, I'd like to emphasize on that is the issues that the Spurs have had in the paint. And, and what I attributed to, and I don't know if Spurs fans really pay attention to this aspect of the game, but without a wing defender, the Spurs get beat on the perimeter by the opposing teams that they go up against. And what happens is that that allows the opposing team to 
go towards the rim. You know, if they get a, a good matchup or they get a mismatch, they're just going to go ISO. They're going to go straight to the rim, be aggressive. And then what happens is that they're able to kick the ball back out to somebody who's just sitting there by themselves, either for a, a real quick jump shot or beyond the arc. At times, too, they're, the opposing teams are able just to bully themselves in, into the paint and bully the Spurs around and get easy buckets, whether it be a, a quick turnaround jump shot or it's going to be a little hook or an easy layup. Uh, right now, the Spurs, I think what they're really missing and what people aren't noticing is the lack of defense all starts with the wing. And we're lacking that wing defender. I think if we had a decent wing defender, this Spurs defense would be flowing a little bit differently. So in the absence of that, this is what we're going to have to deal with, I think, moving on to, you know, for the rest of the season. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're stuck with what they have this, right now. I mean, this is it, I mean, at least until the playoffs for, for this season. Um, and, you know, the crazy thing is they had a wing defender, and they had two days to tell Memphis, no, we want to keep our wing defender. But instead, they let him go. And I'm talking about Kyle Anderson here. Remember, he was a restricted free agent. He played the three last last year and, and placed the Kawhi, and the Spurs were a top-10 defense. And the, and since he was a restricted free agent, the Spurs had 48 hours to say yes or no, do we want to keep him or not, match his salary. And, you know, Kyle's making $9 million. They, wasn't, they would have still have been able to bring to bring in Bellinelli and all these other guys that they added this offseason. Well, they let Kyle walk. Uh, didn't want to give him those three years that Memphis offered. And so now, look, they're, they're missing that wing defender for the season. Now, again, I go back to, for this team, it's going to continue to be a problem. However, they did show in December and January that when they have Derek and Rudy Gay on the floor, uh, you know, Brent Forbes's uh, liabilities, De DeMar DeRozan's liabilities on the wing, they can be masked a little bit more with those two guys because they're so good defensively. Rudy plays almost like that Draymond Green type of defense where he can switch off, off four positions. And then you got Derek, who just easily guards the best, you know, perimeter player on any team. It doesn't matter if it's James Hardy, if it's Stephen Curry, whoever it is, get Derek's in the guard and Pop's going to put him on, on that player. So I really feel like, again, you get Derek and, and Rudy healthy, they can play decent defense. Now, not, not top 10 level, but at least decent defense like we saw from them. Uh, in December and January. Yeah, I hope they can go ahead and get that going again. But, you know, we're going to have to wait and see when Derek White comes back. He's missed a couple of games. No doubt that he's going to be rusty. He's going to have to get at least a couple of games under his belt to get back in rhythm. And it's it's a process. I think Spurs fans are just going to have to be patient. And let's see how he can come back from this, you know, what is it that he had? Uh, I forgot. The right heel soreness. Right yeah. heel soreness. The plantar fasciitis. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And what I was saying with the plantar fasciitis, what I was telling Spurs fans is that's actually a painful injury. You know, they say a lot of times that it's better if they have it actually torn completely versus if it's just a partial tear, you know. So hopefully he heals, he'll, he heals up pretty well and he can continue to play at a high level because Lord knows the Spurs need all the help they can get, you know. So if you guys are out there listening – and you got your lucky Spurs candles, prenda la velas, dude. Light them up because we need every little bit of luck that we can get. So moving on, though, before we go ahead and end this episode, we want to talk about the big game that's going to occur right after the All-Star break, and that's going to be the Toronto Raptors game. This is going to be the matchup that everybody's been waiting to see. The Spurs bested the Toronto Raptors here at home in the AT&T Center. They got the best of Kawhi Leonard. Spurs fans felt like they got their revenge on the fake number two, as I like to call him. Now DeMar DeRozan's returning home. He's going to be in his house, you know, the baby Dino's house, the house that he helped build. And that has to affect a player 
it, it, it mentally it, anyway, from my aspect is it, it's something that, that everybody has to deal with that first game coming back home and either you're going to have a spectacular game or it's going to affect you and you're just not going to quite be the same. What do you think is going to happen, Paul? Well, for one, I, I know for sure that the the um, the embrace of DeRozan is going to be a lot different than the Spurs fans embrace of oh, Kawhi. Yeah. I mean, Toronto fans love DeRozan. I mean, you you heard you know just all, all the you know all, all of them you know obviously they know that he couldn't get the job done as far as taking them to to their their, their the furthest they could go. But I mean, just the type of player he was for that community, for that city, he really, um, you know, carried and, and put Toronto on his back. So, so the embrace is definitely going to be there. It's going to be very warm welcome for him, um, and also Jakob Perto. But as far as the play, I do have to give Toronto the edge there, just because, um, you know, it, it's going to be ten days away from now, uh, from from today that you and I are recording this. Uh, the Raptors are kind of in a little bit of transition where they're trying to implement their new players with adding, you know, Marcus Saul in there. Uh, trying to figure out their lineups, but I feel like they're at least in a better place and they're winning ball games than, than where the Spurs are right now, where the Spurs will probably be adding back in Derek White, but because they've been playing so bad and, you know, just giving them one game against a really good Toronto team at home, I do have to give the Raptors the edge in this one. Yeah, and I have to agree with you. I'm I'm really seeing that the Raptors at home, it's going to be a tough place for the Spurs to get a win, but you know what? It's the irony of ironies, and this is what I was talking with with my buddy Jeff Garcia, and I also talked with Michael A. DeLeon, you know, your your founder for Project Spurs, and I was saying to them, wouldn't it be ironic if the Spurs go and come back from the, you know, not come back, but when they come back from the All-Star break and they and they face Toronto, that they wind up getting the win. Then they go and lose to the Knicks. Then they go and lose to the Nets. Then they go and lose to the Pistons. And their only two road wins were going to be against the Grizzlies and the Raptors. I mean, that would, to me, that would be very ironic because the other games are very winnable. You know, of course, you can't always say that you're going to get an instant win against the Nets anymore because the Nets are a 500 team right now and they're playing okay, you know? So you never know what's going to happen if you don't bring the effort. And, and that's the thing with the Spurs. It's, it's hard to say what type of effort you're going to get from them on any given night. You know, it's they're, they're very inconsistent this season. And I was saying that even though you know you have your shortcomings on defense, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to play defense. I know that the Spurs aren't going to be what they once were in years past because they just don't have the personnel for that. But you just want to mm-hmm. see the effort. You want to see the ganas. You know, go out there and give a concerted effort to play at least great team defense based on the personnel that you have out there on the floor. And I think that's one of the things that we as Spurs fans get a little frustrated with it. I think you, you, you feel the same way, don't you, Paul? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, for me, yeah, it's just giving up, you know, there's a difference between giving up a hundred and giving up 120 and, and those games where they've been giving up 120 lately, those again, come back to lack of effort. I think one thing, you know, I, I go and cover the team here in town. And so I'm, I'm in the locker room. And one thing you, you just notice about these guys, there's a, there's always a common, um, not saying, but just the same words kind of come out of their mouths is that when shots are going in for them, their defense just amps up. I think this is a very motivated team where the offense needs to be clicking on the right night uh, so that the defense, so that they, it, 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 it inspires them basically. You know, they, they're scoring more buckets. They see the ball going in the hoop. They're going to want to play better defense on the other end. Whereas in years past, 
you know, the traditional Spurs teams with defense as their backbone, they always felt that if the offense was having a bad night, then it didn't matter. They could always just rely on their defense. They were going to continue to put that effort on the defensive end. Um, and like you mentioned, Joe, you know, it comes down to personnel. This is obviously a team that doesn't have a lot of defenders, guys who, who were known as, as defenders before joining San Antonio. So I think that's one part that I've noticed is that that they're very much um, their defense, their energy, their effort level really hampers on on how well their offense is flowing. And if it's not flowing and they get stuck really early in the mud, well, then you see that on defense, they're not going to get their full effort. You know, they're missing rotations. They're not uh, pops been really mad this whole road trip about their transition defense, even though it was better tonight uh, against Memphis. But I, I think that's a big part of it, too, is just that their, their psyche on the defensive end isn't quite there. They don't always have that motivation like we've seen with past Spurs teams. Yeah, I think that I have a great nickname for this Spurs team this season. It harkens back to the days of the microwave. Do you remember that? <laughs> From the 90s. We had a player on the Spurs roster called the microwave. And I think that's what the Spurs are because they can heat up at times and they can get hot. But they're they're very streaky, you know. And, and that's the thing that Spurs fans are just going to have to live with this, this season. And as you had pointed to, it's, it all starts with how well they're flowing. If the, the offense is flowing great, the team is feeling good, and it just translates into them wanting to play better defense. It's all about energy out there in the court. And, you know, and, and from times I think that they're really missing Manu Ginobili. It's very evident because he brought that energy for the team. You don't really see one player in particular that just stands out at you and you can say, oh, he's coming into the game. He's going to fire up this team. He's going to bring the energy. I think if I have to really look hard, I could see that in Derek White. But beyond that, we really don't have that that six man that the Spurs had when they had Manu Ginobili. I think his absence is very missed uh, out there on the court this season. And you just hope that somebody will emerge. I know that when we're, we're riddled with injury, we were missing, you know, DeJounte Murray. But when he comes back, wouldn't it be nice to see maybe DeJounte pick up that mantle and be that energizer bunny for the for the San Antonio Spurs do, do you think that somebody will emerge and, and be that energy guy that we need well I don't know about this season because I, I know that the one guy Pop has continually said it's Patty Mills this year he's kind of brought that little bit of that little that Manu energy but but you're right where they're missing those those defensive plays that Manu used to make you know where he takes a charge where he gets a random steal um, you know, kind of cheating off his defender and going to, and taking the ball from somebody in the post. Those are the type of defensive plays that, that you miss from Manu that really inspire the team. And, you know, as great as Patty is and the spark plug that he is, he's, he doesn't bring it on the defensive end like that. Uh, Marco Bellinelli's been, been kind of like an X factor when he comes off the bench and he starts hitting threes. But again, he's not, he's only doing it on offense. And so you don't have that impact because he's obviously not a defender. So, so I think, I think you're right that they do miss Manu in, in that fact. And as far as their, their, their spirit energy guy, I think it's Patty right now for this season. Yeah, so we'll just have to see what's going to happen. I know the consensus is that everybody here in, in Spurs Nation and Spurs Twitter believe that the Spurs will make the playoffs. They're going to limp in. But as we stated, if they're one of the lower seeds, it's probably going to be a one-and-done season. This season, to me, in my eyes, Paul, regardless of what happens, it's going to be a wash. You know, the Spurs are just doing the best that they can do out there. And I think the Spurs fans... They need to kind of come off the ledge a little bit and stop being so critical of the team and just enjoy what you're seeing because life's too short to not enjoy the game, you know? And we could quite possibly be seeing Coach Pop in one of his last years as the Spurs head coach. So 
when the end comes, it comes near, it comes close and it comes fast. And sometimes it comes without warning, you know, just like it came for Manu Ginobili. He just, that was his last game. He walked off the court. He talked with his family. He's not returning. He, he decided to retire. Tim Duncan got defeated in OKC. He just walked off the court, gave a quick wave. He sent out a press release, a quick letter, you know, just something that, that's very Timmy. And that was it. Yeah. You know, so I think we should just enjoy what we're seeing right now, you know, because God knows that we're only going to have one coach pop and the next coach that we get is going to have a, a lot to live up to. So what are your thoughts in closing, Paul? Uh, just the, the fact that like, you're right, Joe, like, you know, I obviously, you know, fans get upset because they're not a title contender. You know, like you said, you're, you're just being real here that they're going to probably lose most likely in round one. Uh, like I said, if they if they can get out of Golden State's bracket, they can they can try to get at least at two, round two or three, possibly if they're healthy. Um, but, but like but like you know you know in my mind it, it you know you have you have to measure it this way. You know, are you evaluating your season on a championship? Because if you are, then 29 teams are going to be disappointed this year because there's basically in my my in my eyes still one one favorite. And it's the Warriors. I mean, no one's beating those guys this year. Uh, so, so if you just think it's championship or bust, well, then sure, you're you're not you're not very high as, as far as like where your um your your expectations are. You're just thinking this is just a lost season right away. But if you look for the competitive aspect, um, look at it from from the Spurs' point was that they didn't intend for this to be their team. I mean, this all came together uh, just basically back in June or or we could say February when, when the whole Kawhi thing came down. This is supposed to be the, a contender right now with Kawhi on their team, and that wasn't what ended up happening. You know, the the, the front office didn't see this this happening where we're in 2019 and Kawhi's just basically gone. He's he's now in Toronto where he was going to force a trade uh, last summer like he did and not play last year. So so this is almost like a, like a, a card they were dealt that they did they didn't prepare to 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 have come toward their way. So I do look at it as you know like you're right. You know, enjoy the season. You know, it's going to be competitive. Uh, in my eyes, I just want to see these these nine guys healthy when the playoffs come, and you know if they make the playoffs. Now, I want to see how far they can go. I really think that they have a chance against OKC, against Denver, against Portland. I mean, outside of the Warriors, everyone in the, in the West is almost like bunched up. They're almost like all the same in terms of the, their record and stuff. I mean, there's like there's not like one clear favorite. So so in my eyes, that, that's where I'm at. I mean, just just enjoy it. See, let's see see how competitive these Spurs are. Hopefully, they stay they stay healthy. And then, um, you know, if, if you judge but judge a season by a championship, well, then I think 29 teams are going to be uh, um, disappointed this year. Yeah, I agree with you. This is not a championship cal- caliber basketball team. Not in this iteration anyway. We're just going to have to wait and see what additions they make in the offseason and hope for the best in the 2019-2020 season. So where can people find you and all the great content that you do for Project Spurs and you know, on social media as well? Because I know you have a Twitter handle. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so my written work is over on projectspurs.com. Um, Project Spurs. Uh, you can follow us at, at Project Spurs. And, and then my, my, my social media uh, presence is over at, at Paul Garcia NBA, at Paul Garcia NBA. And I usually do basically all Spurs stuff these days. I used to do a general NBA, but now just Spurs. Yeah. And you also do a podcast as well. And they need to check that out. What is that called, Paul? Oh yeah, the the, uh, the Spurs cast. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Uh, yeah, we I record the Spurs cast. Uh, you know, basically weekly during the season. Um, I have it's usually just the writers for Project Spurs we have on. We talk about their pieces and you know what's going on with the Spurs. Kind of uh, very similar to this. And uh, we're taking a little bit of break because of the All Star break coming up. So, um, but we'll be back next week with that new episode. Well, there you go. You make sure you follow all the great content that Paul puts out for Project Spurs and. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter. He does release a lot of great information, and he's a big stats guy. If you want to know 
exactly what's happening during the game and after the game, make sure you go and follow Paul. He's a great follow on Twitter. And you can also follow us and all the great content that we have out at Two Shots Podcast, and it's all spelled out, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S, at podcast, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have our family of podcasters that's available at the Two Shots Podcast Network, and you can find us on the internet at twoshotsessay.com. So for Paul Garcia, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace.